my uh, my friend up here just said, that's my song. And I was like, okay, all right. Am I on? Am I off? I'm good now. Okay, good. How's everybody doing? You're good? I'm already tired and I haven't even preached yet. I uh, uh, flew out here yesterday and as I told them last night uh, at the library, I um, had the worst plane ride in history. Uh, what should have only taken four hours and 15 minutes from BWI took five hours and 45 minutes. The woman that was sitting next to me, evidently, she paid for half of my seat. Um, and we had, we had turbulence the, in, the entire way. Uh, I got off the plane and I felt as if I had been beat up. Um, and, and then, uh, you know, finished last night after I got done. Uh, went back to the hotel, uh, well, had to go and pick up the rental car because my flight had been, had took so long that I wasn't able to pick up the rental car. Uh, so we went to the airport and, and uh, the person that took me to the airport was really good friends with the person behind the counter and they just had a great time talking and I'm standing there, it's one o'clock in the morning Eastern Standard Time and they're talking about do, coming to the house and painting. Uh, are you serious right now? So I uh, got back to the hotel room I tried to go to sleep, couldn't, um, but, um, but really have had a great time, my first official time in Las Vegas. Uh, the time before, uh, when we were moving from Los Angeles to Florida, we drove through Nevada. Uh, I preached in Reno, and we came through. Uh, I can't remember when we came through first or after. I don't know. Uh, we came through after I spoke in Reno, drove through Las Vegas. I said drove through because the only place that my uh, wife let us stop was I had to go to the restroom and she stopped at the jack-in-the-box across the street from UNLV she said you are not stopping in Sin City to use the bathroom <laughs> fine so I left her home so I could come and see what Las Vegas was really like um, no that's that's not ha all the truth um, but um, but I'm, I'm really glad to be here uh, last night after I spoke, I had a chance to connect with your pastor. He asked me would I come over here and, um, and beat you up a little bit. Um, nobody laughed. Nobody laughed at all. <laughs> Y'all thought maybe that was the truth. No, he asked would I come over here and share with you uh, something. So last night what I did is, is, is I just spent some time in prayer asking God what it is that he wants me to tell you. Now understand, I have these questions in my Bible that I ask myself before I get up and speak anywhere. Okay, these are original. These are mine. I didn't steal them from some other preacher. These are questions that I ask myself to make sure that my heart is where it needs to be before I stand up and do... Now, y'all amen it right now. I ain't even read the questions yet. I mean, I could be promoting the clan for all you know. You don't know. Right? But no, that's what I do is I ask myself these questions so that I make sure that my head, my heart, and my spirit is where it needs to be before I, before I get in front of you, okay? Understand, this is not a show, okay? See, I, I know that y'all have had preachers in the past, hear me, because I heard about you. Y'all have had preachers in the past that have come here and it was all about the numbers, it was all about the show, and it was all about this and this and this. See, it's not about the show with me. Okay, it's not about how many people we get in the pool. It's not about whether you like me or not. As a matter of fact, question number 11 says, am I prepared to say anything God wants me to, even if it means I won't be invited back? That's what it says. Next to the last right there. Right? Am I prepared? You see that? Okay? 
So I don't need you to like me. There ain't but four people in this world I need to like me. That's my wife and my three children. And I love myself as it is. So I don't need y'all to like me. Okay? Now, I would like for you to like me. Nobody likes to walk away not being liked. But I'm not going to let my desire for you to have affection for me to keep me from saying what I need to say in order for your hips to be saved. Okay? Because I'm not going to gloss over anything. Okay? Because I believe that what God has given me to tell you today is straight from the gates of heaven. And if you are not receptive to what he's trying to give you today, then you're going to be right there with the other stiff-necked folks that are in our particular denomination that are going to bust hell wide open because they think the fourth commandment is the most important commandment. Oh, y'all didn't get that. Y'all didn't get that. Anybody ever watch the Olympics? You ever watch the Olympics? If, you ra- if you've seen the Olympics, raise your hand. Okay, what do you strive to come in in the Olympics? First, right? If you come in first place, you get what? gold medal you come in second you get what silver right you come in third place you get what you come in fourth place what you get now understand the sabbath is important very important however it's not the most important commandment if it was the most important commandment god would have made it first the most important commandment is thou shalt not have any other gods before him and some of us have made our denomination our prophet a God. So if you are one of, oh, see y'all, okay, right. I, ain't even, I've, I haven't even gotten started yet, and y'all already stiffening up on me. Preacher, preacher. See, okay, so anyways, all right. Rewind the tape. One of, my, one of my best friends in the whole world is here. I haven't seen him since I left Los Angeles. His name's Bill Martin. Bill, raise your hand. Bill was one of our deacons when I was pastoring in Los Angeles at Berea Seventh-day Adventist Church in Los Angeles, right? Um, Bill was one of our deacons, but more importantly, he was one of my best friends because it, we tried to go out at least once a week and play golf together. I haven't seen him, and, and, and now I, I come to, to Vegas, and he's relocated uh, from, from, from uh, Los Angeles here to Vegas, and you better be nice to him because if you're not, I will come back and cut you. <laughs> Okay, he's new in the area, only been here since August. Okay, be nice to him. Okay, because again, I will come back and cut you. Okay, it won't really. Okay, yeah, I will cut you. I just, yeah, I'm not even going to lie. I love that guy. I, I saw my, uh, some friends from, from D.C., right? From First Church. Pastor, Mc, Pastor Mark McCleary's church. I love Mark. I love Mark. He, uh, uh, Pastor Mark McCleary is one of my best friends. Uh, and, and, and you've got another pastor that's on his way that's going to be just as good as Pastor McCleary, Pastor Roland Hill, one of, one of my dear, dear friends. Going to have a great opportunity there. Um, I, 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 it's nice to see you. Uh, and you can call my conference president. He knows where I'm at. Uh, I didn't just run off. Y'all ready to get started? Because I haven't gotten started yet. Y'all, y'all look like y'all tired already, and y'all ain't. I ain't even started yet. I got this one, and then I'm going over to the library. I invite you to, to come over after we're done here. I'm not going to keep you long today. You, that should have garnered an amen. Um, I'm not going to keep you long today because I'm going to go over there, and, and I'm gonna, you're going to see a wardrobe change, right? I'm going to change clothes um, and, 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 and put on something a whole lot looser. And a whole lot uh, nicer, right? Right, feng shui. I'm going to be working it, right? Just so we can connect 
with, with the young people. Uh, just so you know, uh, when we get to the library, uh, that's supposed to start at 12. I'm gonna, we're going to go over there. After we're finished here, I invite you all to go because we're supposed to be supportive of our young people. Amen. Right? Go over there. It would be great for your young people to see the auditorium, the theater at the library field today. Okay, because you're not, remember, it's not about a show. You're going, you're going, number one, to worship God. Number two, to support your young people. Okay, uh, uh, but, uh, but the title of the message over there, over there is, it's going to be Naked Fruit. Now that ought to pique your interest enough where you'll be like, okay, he's going to be talking about something naked. I'm going to go over. <laughs> this is Vegas. But that's not what I got for you today. What I got for you today, just really, really quick. Um, on Thursday, I had to take some clothes to the dry cleaner. As a matter of fact, I had to take this shirt and this suit to the dry cleaner in preparation for my leaving yesterday. Um, we have, as a family, we have three cars. Uh, my daughter has a Honda Civic. My daughter that's at Washington Adventist University, she has a Honda Civic. Uh, my wife has a Honda Accord, and I have a Volkswagen Passat. Um, my, my, my youngest daughter, who is a junior at Andrews, has not made a B since she was a junior in high school. Okay? Uh, she's hard as nails. Okay? She takes that stuff serious. And so when she decided she wanted to get involved in some extracurricular things off campus, and because Andrews is segmented and separated from regular society, we tried to figure out a way where she could get to have some transportation to go and do what it was that she wanted to do. So we were, in, we were on vacation in Mexico, and my wife rolled over and said, I think God wants me to let Kayla use our car while she's there for the first semester until we're able to get another car. And so I prayed about it, and I believe God was leading us to the same conclusion. Uh, and so uh, we gave Kayla my wife's Honda, she drove it back to Berrien Springs, and, and she's, you know, using it, having a great time up there. But that left my wife and myself with only one car. See, as a parent, you're supposed to sacrifice for your children. Amen. Okay? As a parent, what you're supposed to do is you're supposed to give so your kids can have. Okay, And so what we did is we decided that we were going to sacrifice and, and only have one car. As, past, as Pastor Madden said, uh, I'm in between churches right now. Middle of December, I'll be installed um, in, in the city, back in the city of Baltimore. We're going to be uh, taking a church that's presently located in the Baltimore city limits. We're going to rebrand it and replant it and turn it to the Seventh-day Adventist churches. First, multi-site, multicultural multi-site, multi-ethnic, multicultural, multi-anything you want to imagine, multi-campus church, okay? And, and it, it, it really, um, it, it, I'm really excited about it. So I don't really need a car right now. My wife goes to work, but I'm stuck at home. That's a long way of saying that yesterday when it was time to take my suit and my shirt to the dry cleaner, I had to walk to the cleaners, okay? Now, now there was a time when I enjoyed walking. There was a time when I enjoyed taking the long way places. But I have gotten to the age, there are a few miles on my knees and my ankles. And I decided on Thursday that I was going to take a shortcut. 
So I began to take the path through the woods. And as I'm taking this path uh, down through the park and, and around the corner and all, I, I, I went, was going across the field. And as I was going across the field, everything was going great. Had my headphones in. I was listening to my music as I was walking. I've got the bag over my shoulder with this suit and this shirt. And the shirt, shirt that I wore last night, everything's great. And then I stepped in a place that looked as if it was firm, however it was not. I sunk into the mud to my knees. Fluorescent orange Nikes submerged in the mud. My old navy khakis submerged to my knees. My socks, the short ones, because I'm cool and don't pull them up to my knees. <laughs> Submerged in the mud. And I pulled my feet out. And as I pulled one foot out, the other foot sank deeper. And I worked my way across this marsh until I had mud all the way from my knees to the bottom of my feet. And I walked to the dry cleaner like that. And I walked in. And I realized once I walked in to the dry cleaner that I smelled of fermented mud and stagnated water. And then I had to walk back home. By the time I got home, the mud had dried on my pants. The, the, the mud had, 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 had hardened in my sneakers. And it took me an hour and a half to clean up. It took me an hour and a half to undo what I got my own self into. Today, I, I want to just take you, take you to, to, to a, a scripture that one of my favorite stories in all of scripture. And, and today, it is, it is my desire, and I believe that it's God's desire also, that you begin the process of allowing God to clean you up. Amen. Can I pray for you? Dear Heavenly Father, we ask that your Holy Spirit be the most powerful force in this room, Father God. We ask that if, if we are in the way of you moving in this place, Lord, we rebuke ourselves in the name of Jesus. We pray right now, Father, that you will begin, uh, to, begin to speak to our hearts to transform our hearts, Lord. Help us to see your face as we seek your face. In the precious name of your Son, Jesus, we pray. Amen, amen. and amen. Jesus has stood up in the middle of the Sea of Galilee in the boat. He spoke to the wind and the waves as if they were dogs. He says, peace be still, and everything quieted down. They, they arrived there on the shore of Gadara. And, and the Bible says in Mark chapter 2, turn there if you want to follow along. In Mark chapter 2, Mark chapter 5, verse 2, it says that Jesus steps, Mark chapter 5, verse 2 it says that Jesus steps out of the boat okay it says that Jesus steps out of the boat and immediately a demon possessed man greets him now this is one of those stories that people that argue whether the Bible is valid or not use to say that there are inconsistencies in scripture if you look in the book of Matthew same exact story Matthew says that there's two demoniacs the book of Mark says there's only one. 
Okay, so, so a lot of people, they theorize, well, maybe one was more possessed than the other, or maybe this happened or that happened. No, see, I'm from the country where you got to make things simple. And when I look at it, it makes all the sense in the world because I know that Mark, who was the author of the book of Mark, was not on location when that happened. He, Mark got his information from Peter. Okay? Can we go ahead and kill this screen? Can we do that? Because I noticed that people are paying more attention to the screen than what I'm saying. And every time you flip the slide, it's distracting to me, and I have ADD. Thank you. All right, we're good now. All right, thank you so much. Um, so what, what, what happened was Peter gave his information to Mark, and Mark wrote it down. Remember, Peter was always the one that pushed himself to the front of the line. Peter was always the one that wanted to answer the questions. Peter was always the one that wanted to be the first one. And as a matter of fact, he's always the first one mentioned in every list of the disciples that's written in Scripture. He's always named first. And so it would only... It doesn't take a PhD in theology or a doctorate in religion to figure out why Peter said, told Mark that there was only one demoniac. See, what happened was Peter was right there with Jesus when the demoniac came out of the caves. And he ran before the second one could come out. <laughs> do you believe, do you believe in the power of the Holy Spirit? Okay, the Bible says, the Bible says, and we'll be talking about it today, in, in, John, in John 14, Jesus says, and greater things you can do than me. Because he's ascending to the Father, okay? I'm not making the Bible say something that it doesn't. The Bible, Jesus says, greater works you will do if you believe in me. That's what he said, greater things. Question, how many demons flee when you get on the scene? I mean, Seriously. Because we love to talk about, all oh, the Holy Spirit and this and this and this. But how many prostitutes fall to their knees when you walk past them? How many drug addicts, when you encounter them on the corner of J Street and Owen? Right, it's Owens, right? How many, how many drug addicts immediately become clean because the presence of God is so strong in you? And you ask me, well, pastor, maybe it's a bull then you're calling Jesus a liar because the Bible says that greater works you can do. See, the presence of God was so profound in Jesus' life that all he had to do was set foot on the beach and the demons noticed. He walked around with a, with a divine radiation zone. What you carry around with you. How many demons run for cover when you wake up in the morning? I mean, be honest. What does your greater works look like? Because my Jesus says that if I believe in him, greater things I should be able to do. The Holy Spirit is present in our lives, yet we handcuff him because we don't eliminate things in our lives that prevent God from working to his full and absolute power. We're going to be talking about that at the library. If you want to know what that is, then you need to get up when I'm done and follow me over there, and then you'll learn. That's, there's your plug. That's all the plug I'm doing right there, Pastor Madden. All right. So watch what happens. Jesus steps off of the boat. Demon-possessed man comes out 
comes out of the caves, right? Now, now, now Mark chapter 5 and verse 3, let's, let's, I want to read what, what's going on with this guy. He lived among the tombs, and no one could bind him anymore, not even with a chain. For he had been bound with shackles and chains, but he wrenched the chains apart and he broke the shackles in pieces. No one had the strength to subdue him. Night and day among the tombs and on the mountains, he was crying out and cutting himself with stones. What would you do if I told you that you have more in common with the demoniac than you do with Jesus? I can show you right now. First thing the demoniac had in common with us is he lived in unclean surroundings. He lived in the tombs. According to Leviticus chapter 21 and verse 2, it says that if, if a person comes in contact with anything dead, they are made ceremoniously unclean. So he lived in an unclean world. This demoniac day and night lived among the dead. Lived in an unclean world. You in Vegas live in an unclean world question if you live in what is dubbed as sin city why is this church not busting at the seams Because what happens when our churches exist in cities like this the cities where I pastor Okay, pastored in Los Angeles, pastored in Baltimore, getting ready to go back to Baltimore. We sh our mouths should be frothing because we are so excited because literally thousands of people should be falling on their faces because not only, not only do we have the truth, but we have the presence of the Almighty God Himself with us. So question, why do I see blue? in the pews why does the church that has been trained in evangelism struggle to keep people in it I know you you don't know me but I know you I heard about you when I used to be in the Pacific Union I know about this church I know this church has a hard time reaching those that need him the most. I know this church, I'm talking, I don't care. Number 11, I, I got to say what I got to say. Don't care if you bring me back. I've heard stories of drug addicts, prostitutes, vagrants being baptized in this church. And the very people that are supposed to be the brothers and the sisters of these new converts beat them up in the parking lots where they don't want to come back. Ask me how I know that. Ask me how I know that. Ask me how I know that. Because I done pastored you kind before. There are more heads nodding than more heads shaking no. Remember, we are supposed to be the lifeline to the lost. Yes, we should come in this church and there be people that smell of urine. Fresh track marks still bleeding. You believe you're better than them, right? Why would you let me preach? 
Why would you let me stand in front of you, Pastor Madden? Don't these people know who I am? 1989, standing on a street corner in Norfolk, Virginia, had 22 bags of crack cocaine in my pocket. The cops pulled up on me. I swallowed 21 of them. The cops arrested me, took me to jail. I gave them a handwritten confession. A handwritten confession. And you letting me preach? Are you serious right now? Later 1989, getting a fight at a football game. Later 1989, getting a fight at a football game, run from the cops. Get up to run away and run into a flagpole. Split my face open, took 72 stitches to close my face. Why would you let me preach? See, you don't know who that prostitute is going to become. You don't know who that pimp is going to end up being. You don't. See, see, look. Of course we live in unclean surroundings. But greater is he that, was in, that is in me than is in the world, right? So, 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 so why do we struggle in bringing the people, keeping the people, loving the people? Because remember, Jesus said the greatest commandment, another commandment I give to you, that you have love for one another. He doesn't say that you read the little red books. Or, he doesn't say that you can quote Sister White. He doesn't say that you worship on the right day. He says, by this, my people will know that you are my disciples, that you have love for one another. Why is it that we have such a hard time obeying God when he said love each other? We live in unclean surroundings. You thought I lost my place. I didn't lose my place. We live in unclean surroundings. I ride up and down this strip around this city in massage parlors. I went into CVS. I went into CVS to get a Vicks inhaler because my, my allergies are kicking out. I go into CVS. It's got a liquor store in CVS. I've never seen that before. Now, back in the day, that would have been handy. Back in the day, old Vince, this is convenient. But this Vince, no. I mean, look at where we are. Massage parlors, liquor stores, gambling, half-naked women on billboards. We step into the, we step onto the strip. Where's our divine radiation zone? We walk up and down J Street. So we live in unclean surroundings. The next thing, the next thing we have in common, the next thing we have in common is, is this individual, remember he had the chains around his wrists. He carried around the remnants of his bondage. Some of you, God forgave a long time ago, but you haven't forgiven yourself yet. You still carry around those chains and those shackles of that which used to bind you. And rather than you allowing, the, the, allowing God to take off those things, you still... You still seemingly struggle with that which used to bind you. It still holds you down, even though in Micah chapter 7 and verse 19, it says that God, when you ask him for forgiveness, he takes our sin and casts them to the bottom of the ocean. Yet if you're anything like me, you put on your scuba, 
snort, you put on your scuba mask and your, or your mask and your, your breathing apparatus and you dive down to the bottom of the ocean, you grab your sins, you pull it up on the beach and you open it up and you run your hands through it and you say, oh, I wish I'd be forgiven. We live in unclean surroundings. We live in unclean surroundings. We, we carry around the remnants of our bondage. The next thing is a lot of us, like this man, we're out of our minds. In, J, in, excuse me, in, in Matthew chapter 6, Jesus says, Do not be anxious for anything. Yet how many of you struggle with the demon of worry? Because I would consider worry to be just as much of a sin as breaking uh, any dietary law or anything else yet we are locked in and I come from that culture of worry my grandmother was a worrier my aunt is a worrier my mother taught me at a very young age how to worry and I still fight against that demon of worry and I go out of my mind worrying about what's going to happen and what's not going to happen remember I told you I got the rental car late last night when I got back to the hotel I was too tired to register my car with the front desk now where I'm from if you park on a hotel's parking lot without registering with the front desk you're going to wake up in the morning and your car's going to be gone that's where I'm from I don't know if they do that here I woke up this morning and I was getting ready to get into the car and I, as I'm walking towards the car before I can see it I'm actually worrying whether they towed my car or not you see a lot of us are just like this guy we, we, we go out of our mind with worry with depression worrying about the, the could be's and should have been's and all that stuff we live in unclean surroundings we carry around the remnants of our bondage we go out of our mind doing these things the number fourth thing or excuse me the fourth thing that we have in common with this guy is we abuse ourselves you know how he the bible says that he took rocks and cut himself now we being stiff-necked adventist folk we like to compare that to old oh, getting tattoos and piercings and all this and this and this. Yet what we don't really realize is that self-mutilation in the early satanic church, in early forms of demon worship and pagan worship, you can even go in, in the Old Testament with Elijah. When he, the prophets of Baal there on Mount Carmel, they were cutting themselves so this guy, of course, the enemy wants him to destroy himself. No, you don't mutilate yourself. No, you don't cut yourself. No, you don't, you don't do any of those things that anybody could see, but you stand in front of the mirror, this wonderfully God-ordained creation that you are. You look at yourself in the mirror, and you beat yourself up because one nostril is higher than the other. You, 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 you look in the mirror, right? And you, you, begin to, you begin to analyze yourself and say, I used to have hair there. I've, I've, gained a, I've gained a little bit of weight. My pants don't fit like they used to. And Lord forbid if you're single. You blame how you look on why you're still single. Even though you don't want to be single, you blame the length of your hair or absence thereof <laughs> the width of your pants or the lack thereof <laughs> on the reason why you don't have somebody in your life and really if we could put a spotlight on it 
95% of who we attract, 95% of, of who is attracted to us is not attracted to us just because of how we look, but because of how we act and how we treat other people. But see, we stand in that mirror, right? We stand in that mirror like that mirror is a portal to, to, to the throne of grace and we refuse to see ourselves as a wonderful creation by God's own hand. We look at ourselves as having a, a zit right here. You see where it was right there? You see it right there? Or, or, or we finish shaving and we cut ourselves right there. You see that right there? Or my, my, the best thing, we were coming out of Target, bent down to pick something up, hit my head, had a scratch right there. And we look at all of these imperfections and we abuse ourselves mentally and the loudest voice we hear is the voice of the enemy live in unclean surroundings carry around the remnants of our bondage out of our minds and we abuse ourselves this guy has got some issues the fifth thing that we have in common with him is he continued to do it the bible says day and night over and over and over again some of us are the way that we are because it's all we've ever known some of us are hard to get along with because that's how our mothers were that's how our fathers were that's how our head deacon taught us when we were at our previous church not knowing that all of those individuals I just mentioned were probably dysfunctional in their relationships with God so I, I look at this guy and I can't help Pastor Matt and I can't help but look at him and see me. I see that I grew up as a product of a divorce. I, I, at a very early age, was told that it was my fault that the marriage did not work. I, I grew up believing that I was less than God created me to be and, and, and turned to drugs and alcohol and all kinds of other foolishness. And I still stand in front of the mirror. And don't think for a minute, don't think for a minute that when I look in the mirror, that scar I told you that was on my face, I look in the mirror and I see that scar and I'm not reminded of what I used to be. How did Jesus, how did Jesus handle this? Well, Jesus addressed the demons and says, go out. He cast them out. But it says, I believe it's in, in um, I have it. In verse 8, he says, come out of him. But then in verse 9, it says that they weren't listening to him. And Jesus, and for he was saying, for he was saying to them, come out of the man, you unclean spirit. Verse 9. And Jesus asked him, what is your name? He replied, my name is Legion, for, they are, for we are many. And he begged him earnestly not to send him out of the country. Now a great herd of pigs was feeding there on the hillside. And what happens is the, the demons say, hey, 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 hey. Don't just cast us into nothing. Cast us into the pigs, right? And Jesus said, okay, fine. Bam. Cast them into the pigs. The pigs become demon-possessed. You know the story, right? They run over the cliff. The Bible says they run off of a cliff the only day in history where pigs actually flew. <laughs> they go into the ocean, and the Bible says that the pigs drowned. Right. Isn't it funny that the sin and the torment that the man felt was cast to the bottom of the ocean just like Micah chapter 7 verse 19 isn't that is, is that a coincidence you think that's just a coincidence but see watch, watch what happens so the guys that were tending the pigs were upset because of how that little interaction had affected them 
They worried about their finances. They worried about their only way of, of, of income. They worried about those things. They worried how that was going to affect them rather than rejoicing because the man that had tormented them and had been tormented was free now. See, one of the reasons why we keep people out of our churches is because we're afraid that somebody's going to compete for our attention. We don't want anybody to be the center of attention. My favorite verse in all of Scripture, and the reason why it's my favorite Scripture is because it applies directly to me. The, the Bible says in Matthew, or excuse me, in James chapter 4 and verse 6 that God opposes the proud and he gives grace to the humble. Okay, question. What's your name? Dale. Dale. Nice to meet you, Dale. You got a pretty strong handshake. You're trying to punk me. I, I got you. All right. I, all right, Dale. Um, Dale, um, what does it mean if somebody is in opposition to you? What does it mean when someone is in opposition to you? It's against you, right? It means you're not going to be able to do anything. It, there's an there's a altercation. There's a fight going on, right? Okay, help me with this. If the Bible says God opposes the proud, it means that when you are prideful and arrogant about your church position, about the day you worship, or how much tithe and offering you pay or don't pay, that all of heaven is in opposition to you. Oh, that was, that was maybe a little bit too harsh for some of you. I saw your faces change. So what happens is, what happens is, is we, we believe that, yes, we have the truth, and we are so much better than those that go to church on other days. We are, you know, we, we have a prophet that, that has told us what's going to happen, and, you know, we, we're so much better. You know, Calvin Rock used to be our pastor. You know, he was here for 10 years. You know, he's kind of a big deal. Pastor Madden, he came all the way from Montreal to pastor us. We have all the big names that come in every March. You know, the past, two of the pastors from, from, from Huntsville, they're coming this March. And there's some other people there. All the bigwigs come in March. Our church is, wow. <laughs> yeah, you go home and you curse your wife out. You beat your children. You're mean and ornery in board meetings. And to be honest, you don't keep the Sabbath. You just come to church. <laughs> See, I know you. I've pastored you before what does Jesus do he casts the demons into the pig the people the people that should be rejoicing from this man being free the Bible says run away frightened they come back like at the end of Frankenstein the movie right y'all are Adventists y'all don't remember there's this big green guy named Frankenstein got bolts in his neck well at the end the monster Frankenstein is in case you don't know I'm going to educate you Frankenstein is actually the name of the scientist his monster never had a name Mary, Mary Shelley when she wrote when she see I got you right right that was good that's the truth that's the truth that you read the book Mary Shelley right she wrote this she never gave the monster a name but remember at the end of the movie, because you remember Boris Karloff, right? Boris Karloff, he's caught in Frankenstein's castle. And here are all these people outside surrounding the castle with pitchforks, torches, 
spades and all kinds of other stuff ready to kill the monster. Mark chapter 5. The people come looking for Jesus like he's Frankenstein's monster. They come and they find this man sitting with Jesus clothed and in his right mind. And they are so intimidated that they run Jesus off. The man wants to go with Jesus. Can I go with you? He's like, no, you need to stay. And if you continue to flip through the book of Mark, you will see that Jesus comes back to Gadara, later comes back to Gadara, and the people fall on their faces because they, they realize that this man that was there that healed the demoniac has come back, and they realize that that's the secret. They had the answer all along, yet they ran him away. You have God working in your life, but you allow the other voice to speak louder than his voice. I want you to know that I'm not just preaching to you. I'm preaching to me. Because there are times when I stand up in, in, in auditoriums. I preached at an auditorium in the NCAA Division I basketball arena filled with people. Keynote speaker, only speaker for the event. And I stood up and I just thought I was the baddest man on the planet. <laughs> These people came to hear me. God opposes the proud and he gives grace to the humble. I worship on the seventh day Sabbath. I'm so much better than them. But I go to a Sunday church to visit and I feel more Holy Spirit there than I do in my own church. Who are you going to allow you? Who are you going to allow to clean you up? You're going to allow the Holy Spirit to clean you up or the fire when you are cast into the pit? What are you going to let clean you up? Because it's my desire today to let his Holy Spirit work through me, rub off all of the rough edges, rough edges, rough edges. Help me to be loving, caring, and compassionate. Help me to have a heart for people. When I walk past someone who is walking through seriously the CVS parking lot and his pants are so low, I can see the pimples on his behind. No draws. Rather than doing this, how can I, how can I help you? How can I? You know, I got two apples. Can I, can I, give, you, can I give you an apple? Instead of being repulsed when, when I'm walking down the strip and they're passing out cards for all nude strip shows and burlesque shows and this, rather than, rather than turning up my nose, realizes if it wasn't for the grace of God, there I would be. I don't, I don't know where you are in this journey. I just pray that you will open your heart and let God save you before it's too late for you. Allow the Holy Spirit to clean you so the fire won't have to purify you. Amen. Can I pray for you? Yes. Let's pray. Dear Heavenly Father, I ask right now.
that you will convict us of every known sin in our lives. Lord, I pray right now that you will bring things to our memory that we have not confessed. Lord, I pray that you will help us to move past these past sins, Lord. Help us to move past the unclean surroundings. Help us to uh, uh, eliminate the remnants, allow you to eliminate the remnants of our bondage, Father God. Allow your voice to be the loudest voice that we hear, Lord, so that we do not go out of our mind with worry and depression. Lord, we pray right now in the name of Jesus, Lord, that you will help us to break the cycle of self-abuse, Father God. We ask also that you... Clean us now so that we can be found favorable in your sight. Lord, I pray in the name of Jesus that the next time I come back to this church, that, Lord, they will have to have four services because your spirit is so thick in this place. Lord, those that are in the way, Lord, save them before you stop their heart. Help them to turn from their wicked ways. Help them to seek your face. Lord, as we all desire to see your face, we ask all these things in the precious name of your son, Jesus. Amen and amen. Thank you for your time. Amen, everyone. I'd like to invite you all to stand. Have you been blessed by the word of God today? Now, we're going to do something a little different. We're going to just close out, and I want everyone to make an about turn and head out the door. We are going to pack the uh, library. The message is not finished. This is just a pause for fellowship. Uh, you have about five minutes or so to mingle. We are going to be going to the library. It is 951 Lake Mead. It's just, you just head down on uh, J Street, and then you get to Lake Mead, and you turn to the right, and it's the first building, that parking lot. Um, for some of you that want to save um, or burn some calories, you could walk, right? Our parking lot is free. And so you could walk, and uh, we could uh, also come back here for lunch. Uh, right after they finish, we're going to be having lunch here. Uh, for uh, those of you that uh, need to eat, uh, you could have something here. But um, we invite you to join with us over there. Have you been blessed? Amen. Amen. Praise the Lord. Now, I just want to just throw out a little announcement for you. Uh, on the 13th and 14th of December... Um, we are going to be uh, preparing for next year, next year, our evangelistic series. And uh, we're going to have an entire year of uh, exciting preaching and teaching in the Holy Ghost. Uh, we're going to have Pastor Debelair Snell. He is coming from First Church in Huntsville, Alabama. And I want you to note that in your calendar. He's going to be here on the Friday evening and also all day Sabbath. He's going to be with his wife and uh, newborn baby. And uh, we want to be blessed. He is a powerhouse for God. Amen. And so we want you to note that uh, this is going to be a preparation. Uh, our theme at, that we're working on is breaking the chain. And so we need to uh, just pray for this, pray for him, 
And as we prepare for next year, we're going to be showing you some of the directions that our church will be going into next year. Let us pray as we close out and as we head to the library immediately. Father in heaven, we want to thank you for the word that we have heard. Thank you for the openness, Lord, of the preacher to be used by you. We pray, Father, that you will continue to bless this church, bless the ministry, Father, and help us now as we make a transition over to the youth service, Lord, that indeed the blessing, Lord, will not diminish, but we will grow in your strength and in your favor. We pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen. May God bless you.